Welcome to Cast Ice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop wargaming and gaming in general that we sort of are going through at the moment in uh, the gaming world today. It has been said on uh, many podcasts, mostly this one, that we are going through a gaming renaissance. There are just so many games that we can spend our hobby dollars and our hobby time on. It's hard to know which way to turn sometimes and hard to know which games to play. Um, there are just so many good ones about. So this podcast it sort of explores some of those games, the games we've enjoyed playing, or in some cases have not enjoyed playing, uh, and really just talk about uh, industry events and, you know, the things that we enjoy playing. Hopefully you will get something out of this as well. Now, in our last episode, uh, I was joined by Jason Litchfield and Seamus Hammerin, and we talked about the new rules for Italians and the selectors that use those rules from the new bolt-action campaign book, The Western Desert. Now, today we are going to rejoin those gentlemen in just a second, uh, and we are going to talk through special forces in bolt action. But before we do that, uh, there's a couple of items of note that I should talk about from the last episode. Um, keen listeners will hear that in the last episode, we talked as if we would continue through into the special forces section. Um, the the just the depth of the rules in the Western Desert book um, got to be a bit much, and we ended up spending two hours discussing the Italian rules, uh, the selectors that use them, and their implications on the tabletop alone. Um, we just couldn't continue at that point. So uh, today we are going to revisit that conversation and sort of get to the second half of that, uh, and we are going to talk about the special forces. So everything you didn't get in the last episode, you will get in this episode. It should also be said that um, at the beginning of that episode, when we were talking about all of the things that we had looked forward to um, in the gaming world, all the great news, there was one really important tidbit that I wanted to talk about. Um, so I'm just going to briefly mention that uh, a while ago we had the fine gentleman from Knights of Dice on, and they came on to talk about uh, you know some of the great terrain that they make. And they mentioned that they were going to be doing a range of uh, Pacific-themed buildings. Now, they have some for their Tabla Rasa line, which are sort of the basic shells that, you know, doesn't have all the bells and whistles, um, but, you know, is just the basic buildings. And those, some of those are out already, and they are great. But what uh, Knights of Dice have started to do recently is leak pictures of the full detailed range of Pacific buildings. Now, as a Japanese player, I just couldn't go by without saying how excited I was that those are coming out. So if you haven't checked those out, please do. They are definitely worth the look. Now, without further ado, let's get back to our regularly scheduled program. Um, and let me reintroduce our wonderful guests. And joining us again are, of course, our wonderful friends, uh, one overseas and one here in Australia. Uh, from the great white north of Chicago, we have the bear man himself, Seamus. Cheers, Brad. Good to be here. Yep, yep. And from uh, the equally sometimes feeling like it's the white north, uh, Canberra, we have uh, Jason Litchfield. How you doing, man? I'm good, Brad. Good to be back again. 
Yes, yes. So uh, if you have not tuned in to the last episode where we talked about uh, all the great new Italian rules and selectors uh, in the new Warlord Games campaign book, The Western Desert, um, these fine gentlemen joined me. And uh, a little behind baseball, this is actually the same recording session. Um, just that episode ran incredibly long, and we've had to go back and add a few things. So, um, yes. Welcome back to uh, the Western Desert. Now, this is another really exciting episode for me because not only am I an Italian player and I loved the Italian rules that we talked about in the last episode, I am a particular kind of Italian player. I am a Auto-Sahariana player. I am a massive fan of those giant moon buggy type vehicles that jump over the sand dunes, um, looking like something that's out of science fiction, but it's really World War II. Um, you know, having these long distance uh, dueling battles with the LRDG, you know, truck mounted. Uh, special British special forces uh, in the desert and then, you know, raiding in and out. And oh, it's just, it's amazing. It, it just really captures my imagination. And today we are going to talk about a new section of the Western Desert book that details those kinds of armies. Of course, I'm talking about special forces in bolt action. Now, before we get into those army lists and those armies and the rules that are included with them, um, man, we got to talk, um, bef- you know, the way that we played these rules and these armies in bolt action to start with. Um, and I think there's no one better to do that than Jason, who has been playing the LRDG through version one and version two, um, of bolt action. And now we'll be playing with these special rules going into the future. Um, Jason, can you just give us a quick brief overview of what are the LRDG? And um, what were your experiences playing with them? Uh, sure. So the, the LRDG, basically, as you covered, a, a raiding force. They marauded around the northern parts of Africa through the desert, um, shooting up airfields and uh, hitting rear areas of various Axis forces, the Italians and the Germans, and um, basically causing a nuisance. Um, they somewhat prompted the creation of the Auto Sahariana on the Italian side of things to try oh, and yeah. counteract their their kind of mischief. Um, and then those two forces ended up having a, a good number of clashes over, over the period that they were um, marauding around in the desert. So mm-hmm. um, the LRDG, you generally play using the Behind Enemy Lines selector in the British Commonwealth Army book. Mm-hmm. Um it's a pretty unconventional selector, really, compared to your generic. It's very, very restrictive in its options. So you start with the core of your regular, um, the, the regular core from a generic selector, so your lieutenant and your two infantry units. But those infantry units have to be veterans. Um, mm-hmm. Or with a recent addition of the SAS uh, infantry unit, you That's can right. use those as your, as your um your mandatory selections. So you start off with those three units, and then from there you get a few of the regular options. You can get a captain or major, a medic, a forward observer, um, although I'm not entirely sure why that's in there. Um, yeah. Three additional three additional infantry units, a machine gun, an anti-tank rifle, a sniper team. 
and then it gets interesting. So the most important part of this selector is that you are allowed to take three armored cars. Yes. So those three armored cars can be either the LRDG armed trucks or the SAS Jeeps, which um, for anybody who's seen them are basically just guns with wheels. Yes. So the LRDG truck is uh, a forward-facing gun, a rear-facing gun, and then the option of adding many other weapons across the chassis. Um, so a standard structure for this army would basically be to take two platoons, take the most advantage of these armoured car slots, and ultimately you have six very heavily armed trucks or jeeps, uh, which can dish out a lot of firepower. Um, so to, to close out the selector, you, there's also the option of taking transports. You can take the, the 15 um, ton, sorry, 15 carat weight truck, mm -hmm. uh, the 30 or jeeps for your smaller teams and um, sort of anti-tank rifles and that sort of thing. Um, and it has the same stipulation as the armor platoon. So you have to take as much transport as is necessary to carry all of your foot, foot bound infantry. Um, so, it's quite a tight selector. You don't get a lot of bells and whistles, but right. the things that you do get are incredibly powerful. Yeah. So my experience of running running it in version one. Actually, um, hold on. Before yeah. you get into your experiences too much, really quick, mm -hmm. I think it should be noted a couple of things. One, with yeah, this sorry. army list, you definitely get, you have to use the usual British national rules, um, which, oh, yeah. like, for example, as you mentioned earlier, you get the free art uh, artillery observer. Um, I know a mm -hmm. lot of Italian, or sorry, um, LRDG players um, don't take one because they weren't supported by infantry. Or sorry, by artillery in the desert. They just like they were out raiding. They didn't have the support of um, you know that. I know I, I know one person who's taken that as a one man squad um, for free. Um, to get the mm. order dice, but does has never called in an arty observer, you know, an artillery barrage with it, um, and just said it's just sure. a random extra officer. I've seen that too. Yep. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And with the LRDG trucks, um, you say they're festooned with weapons, and they absolutely are. Um, but you get most of those are medium machine guns or heavy machine mm -hmm. guns or light auto cannon or light AT guns. It's not like you're going to put a super heavy AT gun. Um, on one of these dudes' um, trucks. Although, <laughs> in True. the Italian list, that is an option, um, but not for the yeah. Auto-Sahariana. So, um, yeah. you know, that is there. Very light-armored, sure. mobile, as you say. So go ahead, Jason, sorry. No, you're all good. Um, so, yeah, as, as Brad just said, the, uh, the, the both the trucks and the Jeeps are basically, uh, they carry a number of machine guns. The heaviest weapon you can really take in this list is if you're, if you're running an earlier war patrol, sort of a, a 1940 sort of mm -hmm. era, you can run a Beaufort's uh, light anti-tank gun mm -hmm. on the sort of the porty kind of position, the rear facing. Um, but as the war progressed and uh, more and more Italian anti-aircraft guns were captured, they started to mount the the Breda, the two centimeter flak cannon on the back of a number of the, the newer trucks. So that when the LRDG upgraded to the Chevy trucks that they, I believe, were taken from the Egyptian army, yes. um, they started mounting the Breda on the rear of the vehicle because it was found to be basically a better fit for what they were doing. If you've got to brass up an aircraft on a an airfield then it's better to have a flat cannon than it is a single shot not particularly great anti-tank gun um so uh 
Sorry. No. Yeah. I, so, um, these, these were fun rules. Um, I know some people have done well with them. Um, there was much gnashing of teeth, um, around this particular army when bolt action second edition came out, which I never quite understood. Um, some people said that the army became unplayable. Um, and I never quite understood that because if anything, um, soft skin vehicles now rolled on the damage chart, so they were more survivable, I, I thought. Yeah. Um, Jason, as someone who played the LRDG through version 1 to version 2, um, did you find that as well, or was, was I wrong? Um, no, no. Um, I, I think you're on the money there. The, the, a lot of the, the negativity around the transition to version 2, I think, was to do with the recce rule um, yes. and the ability to escape. So it, under version 1, for anybody who didn't play version 1, you could recce whenever you were fired upon or somebody attempted to charge you. So that essentially, uh, and that was if you had taken an action or not that turn. Right. So essentially you could drive around wherever you pleased, firing at whoever you wanted, and then when it came to retaliation, you could just drive away, um, which made the force very, very difficult to pin down. Um, with the advent of version 2, Reiki was changed so that you could only make an escape move if you hadn't acted yet, which meant that if you made any aggressive movement, you were essentially stuck where you were. So there was a much greater degree of subtlety in playing them that you couldn't just charge in with that security of knowing you could just run away again. So I think a lot of the negative feeling around it was that you couldn't just have that that free movement, basically. You could move in, you could shoot, you could run away and just repeat, rinse and repeat over and over again. Yeah. Um, but as you rightly point out, Brad, the, the change in version two for soft skins rolling on the damage table has been huge. Um, I can't overstate how much of a difference that has made in my games where your truck can take a lot of punishment now and just come away with some additional pins or, um, you know, you're immobilized, but really you're in a position where you've got multiple machine guns that can fire in different directions. So it doesn't really matter. Like that change to the damage table, if anything, has made them more powerful than the the negative from the changes to recce. Yeah. So... Absolutely, man. Yeah. I, I could not agree more. Um, I I had an LRDG army. Um, I, I never assembled it. Um, I actually gave it to Patch, who then painted it, and I believe it was um, auctioned to raise money at one point. It was, um, yeah. Which raised, uh, I mean, Patch painted it beautifully and played with it quite mm. a bit uh, and loved that army more than I ever would have, and I'm glad it got a good home. Um because I had the LRDG podcast for years, I wanted to do the LRDG um, force. Uh, but when I was, I realized I, I just would never have gotten it done. Um, but then I saw Patch's army and I got really excited about reading, you know, different desert forces. And I was really trying to challenge myself and was looking at the Italian rules. And I saw... The AS-42, um, the Auto Sahariana. <laughs> it is, I've described it in the past as a giant moon buggy. Um, it, if, for those who hasn't, haven't seen it, it's like a giant bucket. Um, it's like a rectangular bucket. And along both sides are two rows of 10 jerry cans each. 
Um, those weren't usually used for fuel. Um, from my understanding, most of those were like water. I, I guess some of them were fuel. Um, so <laughs> line your trucks with water, kids, uh, if you're in the <laughs> desert. Um, and then they have these giant tires. Um, they remind me from early G.I. Joe comics of um, they had this weird vehicle that was never actually made as a toy but they had these giant balloon tires that looked like they were straight off of a moon buggy and they have these massive tires that are as tall as the vehicle almost on the sides and then they added another one like the spare is so big you couldn't stick it on the back or anywhere else it's actually mounted on the on the on the vehicle's a hood um and so it's this it's such a weird looking vehicle and then there are machine guns and a giant gun mount that sticks out of the center, a pintle, um, like pole that they stuck guns on. And I just looked at this thing and went, my God, that's ugly. How do I get one? <laughs> um, and I found out that it was the Italian answer to the LRDG. And so my response at the time, and I think I've said it on old podcasts, was I have got to play the dark LRDG. This is perfect. Like the, the bad yeah. guys. Let's do it. Um, mm -hmm. And so I bought a bunch of these, um, and I've used the Warlord AS42s. Um, I've used some of the Company B ones. Um, uh, truth be told, kids, they don't match. Um, the Warlord version is larger. Um, the Company B one um, requires more work to put together, um, given the cleaning of Flash and the fact that its tires and axles are metal. Um, but it comes with more weapon options than the Warlord version. Um, Warlord has said that they are coming out with a new version of the AS42 model soon. Um, with It should line up, you know, after the first wave of Desert releases come out. I believe it'll be after that. At which point you will see cool. some of the weapon options, um, like the autocannon and the light AT gun, that are available with the Company B kit, but not with the Warlord kit. They will be in the new Warlord kit. So if you are wanting to only have the Warlord ones, they are coming soon, apparently. Um, and I am probably going to buy those again. Um, not that I don't like the Company B ones, but the Warlord one was so good um, that I, I want them to probably all match. Um, now, they... So the problem with the Italian version is... Uh, unlike the British, they don't get a cool selector. Um, not until now. Um, and you had to use a standard reinforced platoon. Um, so I was able to take mine to an event um, because the TO, uh, I believe it was Tristan, um, allowed me to take a tank wars list with an army that had nothing heavier than a soft skin in it. And it was, I took five um, AS-42s and then support infantry and squads and everything was zipped up. So just like the, I basically built the Italian list um, sort of with mm -hmm. one eye on the LRDG selector um, for sort of theming ideas. Um, and I did quite a lot of online research. Um, for a while, the Italian stuff was hard to come by. Um, sure because it was in Italian and hadn't been really translated. And even then, this was sort of like the obscure of the obscure. Um, but um, I did find some references to them battling the LRDG and some of the, the forces. Um, uh, Flames of War had a book called Burning Empires. And in it, they had a section on 
the Auto Sahariana. And so I got some of my information from there. And that gave me some of the Italian words that I was able to Google search to get force organization. And there's actually a book out there that I got some screenshots of some pages of because it's way out of print. Um, that gave me some of the, um, some of the, uh, units, um, how the unit was actually laid out in real life. So I, I sort of combined it all and I got this force that was five auto Sahariana trucks, um, three regular or sorry, three veteran trucks, um, with dudes on it. Um, three small veteran squads um, with some support squads. Some, um, But I interestingly, I did have an air observer in my list because they were supported mm. by air, um, the Italian version. Yep. So I, I really liked that. Anyway, mm. I was able to bastardize that together, as I said, using the Tank Wars um, selector. Otherwise, you kind of have to do two to three regular platoons to try and get yeah. your trucks in, which given that everything's veteran means you have a very small army, um, which is fine. Um, but the big problem was the national rules. Now, Seamus, I'm going to ask you to help me out with this in a second so you're not just sitting there picking your belly button lint. Um <laughs> So the Italian national rules um, in the Armies of Italy book don't match at all. Um, so can you describe briefly what the Italian national rules basically were or are if you're running regular Italians out of that book? Yeah, so they had the they had the three rules. Um, the first one was Avanti Savoia, where... Uh, if you're losing by three or more dice, you're at a minus two to your morale. Uh, then they had um, defensive strategy, which got a little complicated. It was it requires attacker defender scenarios, mm-hmm. um, and there are different options there. If you're the defender, you could uh, uh, you know your enemy couldn't run on their first turn. Uh, you could reroll for artillery barrage, smoke barrages. Um, you could start the game hidden or you could have these, uh, um, six by six inch, um, obstacles as part of your setup. Mm -hmm. Now as a very fair, those are fairly defensive. Um, yeah, yeah. Those don't really work. (laughs) So, um, yeah. Uh, so when I was playing this, I had a lot of fun. Um, but if I started to get hammered early on, um, and I, I would like to remind you that all of my units were either on foot or were soft skins, um, those soft skins go down quick if your opponent has some big guns and can hit you. Um, and if that's if you start getting behind with that list um, and those national rules, um, it, it can go fairly, fairly badly early. Um, and also, um, if you happen to get the, um, the barricades that you can put up, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to take my barricades. And I'm going to park my trucks behind them. It just, it just never worked. Um, yeah. so yeah, um, that was my general experience with that army. The rules didn't match. It's, it's a hell of a lot of fun to play. Um, and when I, I got fairly decent at that list. Because I was able to choose where I was going. It's a highly mobile list. Um, and so by I was able to sort of refuse flank an opponent and sort of come in and smash one side of their army. Um, and a couple of opponents counted that by turtling up. And those are the people I tended to struggle against. Um, that and boards that had tons of um, debris 
Um, so if you have a lot of, uh, you know, grass or rubble, uh, soft skin vehicles can't cross or wheeled vehicles can't cross those in bolt action. Um, and so Jason, I don't know if you've had that experience, but I played a, one of the missions from the book where there's the, your, where I was the attacker and the defender had to hold three objectives in their deployment zone and the board was bocage. So I couldn't get anywhere. So I stacked one flank to draw the game um, and brought in, I think it was three trucks with squads and two AS-42s and just hammered that one objective on turn six. Um, And, you know, one of those vehicles didn't come in because I failed my role and it just counted as destroyed. But I had to do it that way. Otherwise, he would have wiped me off the board. Um, and I had to take that. And so I took that one objective by smashing him off with that, with the firepower and then jumped my guys out and grabbed it. It made for an incredibly cinematic turn six, but it made for a boring as hell rest of the game. Um, and my (laughs) opponent, and it was just me clawing the draw. Um, but the terrain screwed me hard. Now in Melbourne, we have a, um, a Stalingrad table that is literally 60, 70% rubble. Um, I, I can't play my army on that table. Um, I could literally no. pull it on maybe and then park and fire. Mm. Um, would you have, have you had those experiences as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had, I think my final game of CanCon, um, earlier this year, I ended up playing against a Belgian army and the table we ended up on was approximately half woods, so Ooh. area terrain, which is rough ground. Yeah. And then in two of the corners, there were walled compounds with sort of farm buildings within them. <laughs> and by by the end of turn two, I was facing down, I think, 12 units in a single compound on ambush with soft skin trucks. Yuck. So you don't you don't want to drive into that. You've got very few avenues of attack. Um, that game ended up playing out to a draw, and and more more power to my opponent on that one. Uh, it, there was uh, throughout the weekend, I'd done very well on open tables. I'd done a lot of damage to people, and mm-hmm. I think that idea of turtling up, throwing down ambushes, and just waiting it out is a very very good way of counteracting these sort of mobile forces that yeah. rely on kind of soft options so yeah that that struggle with terrain was um it's a a big deal for the wheeled wheeled vehicles yeah and some missions just do not lend themselves to these highly mobile all zipped up um wheeled vehicles in particular forces um Mm -hmm. they just don't they just don't work well um but the western desert let's so that was then Let's let's put yes. a giant line in the sand and say, and now we have a new way of playing. Um, now, the, the Western Desert book is very exciting. It's 168 pages of joy. There's tons. So there's new national rules. Um, there's new national characteristics for a variety of army lists. Um, we have the new Free France army list, which we haven't even talked about yet. Um, but one of the things the army list, the are sorry, this campaign book includes is 19 missions but i want to talk about one in particular and we're going to go into more detail later but one of the missions is designed specifically 
for raider type special weapon or sorry special forces armies um and it's literally designed for armies like yours and mine um it can be the author roger has said it was um it was a conscious decision um apparently sam from the down order podcast um our good friend had a lot of input um with the creation of that mission um, because he wanted a mission to be included in bolt action that you could use to represent, um, you know, raiding forces like ours, like um, if you were going to take an SAS force or a commando force or even like partisans. It's even it, there is a optional rules section written into the mission that allows you to adapt it for those armies literally says partisan forces mm. and as someone who's played partisans in the past that's just fantastic to see um so you can use that mission in sort of any theater um which i really i love the inclusion of that in this book um yeah i'm a mission guy and i would buy that book almost for that mission alone um and everything else is gravy and i love the desert so it's great but let's talk special forces in bolt action. Um, so I have, of course, pulled up the section, and it says, so the actions undertaken by the LRDG and others during the desert battles in World War II are not typical of those normally represented in games of bolt action. It could be suggested that creating special forces rules to work in an all-comer bolt action matchup is something of a fool's errand. Ha-ha. Um, <laughs> however, our aim here is to de develop selectors that are historical in composition and can also be taken at, at an open event to face various opponents. The aim of the special forces section um, or the special forces in a scenario wouldn't be to wipe out the enemy, um, just to knock out their targets and escape with uh, minimizing losses. Uh, therefore, the army lists that are following are designed to cope uh, with open play while retaining a historical makeup and feel. We've also included a special dawn raid scenario specifically for these armies, which I mentioned above. Now... Mm. Let's talk about the new LRDG, the Long Range Desert Group, the British Force. We have new national rules. You get rid of the entire set of the old ones, and you have yes. new characteristics. So why don't you read what you get? Mm -hmm. So um, uh, the first national characteristic is something that a lot of people will be familiar with. It's something that's already used by the SAS infantry squads. Mm -hmm. So it's behind enemy lines. Uh, so rather than just being the infantry, in this case, it's all units in this list have no penalty to roll when they, uh, no penalty to their roll when they enter the board from outflanking. So there's a number of units, infantry units that already exist, the SAS, for example, who already have this rule, but it now applies blanket to everybody in this army right so that's kind of a big deal it is um, and that ties specifically in with the next national rule called out of mm. the blue which is any uh, vehicles that are outflanking may enter from their designated board edge one turn earlier than normally permitted so you can come up to 24 inches onto the board on turn two 36 inches is on turn three 48 on turn four etc um, Jason, I don't know about you, but as someone who's played a highly mobile army, that's amazing. What do you think? That it's it's a 
big, big deal. Um, outflanking is always uh, a solid tactic with a force like this, something mm-hmm. that is so mobile. You can come in from the side of the table, you can move your 12 inches, and you can still fire all of those guns that you have. Being able to start halfway up the board on turn two is is huge. And having no penalty to arrive either, it just ties together so well. It just, it, it really feeds that flavor that they just came out of nowhere and, and really just hit their targets. So yeah. it's excellent. Yeah, and combined with the fact that these are... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I just, the rules together, they just pair so well and, and it fits the force perfectly. Yeah, and the fact that you're combining that with veteran forces means that you're going to be rolling on tens to bring on things from turn two. Um, And that, I mean, oftentimes you have to sometimes hold units back to get, um, if you need to get to an objective, for example, like I did in the game I mentioned before, I had to wait till turn, turn, turn five or six just to be able to get my trucks to outflank in my opponent's side far enough that I could jump on that objective given that the objective was in his deployment zone. Um, and that yeah. was six inches onto the board or something like that. So the mm. fact that you get that extra 12 inches and you get to start it sooner um, is, is huge in my mind. Uh, Seamus, yeah. how does this sound to you? I think it's wicked exciting. Um, I got a, one of my good buddies here, Jeremy, uh, the BA chef. He mm-hmm. plays an LRDG force, and um, it was kind of funny, you know, using second edition rules. <laughs> you know, my my Italians tended to be real static, and he just runs circles around me, just dumping firepower into my into my troops. But um, it, it, it like it it accelerates the whole game. It kind of like we were talking about with the with the Italian episode. Um, it just ups the ante it makes it a little more exciting mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the tactics you've had to rely on in the past are completely different now and it, it freshens things up i'm uh, i'm pretty sure i'll get massacred but i'm really looking forward to playing an lrdg force <laughs> yeah, uh, playing against one in these new rules yeah absolutely i i i'm i'm loving these rules but wait there's more uh let's talk about hit and run uh so vehicles that are currently assigned in advance order may react to enemy shooting or assaulting by executing a single nine inch move with one 90 degree turn if they pass a special morale test if the test is failed the opposing player gets to choose what happens either the driver loses control and the opposing player may move the vehicle instead or the vehicle stalls, remains stationary, and takes a pin. Either way, its die is then changed to down. So it gives and it takes away. Um, I mean, clearly you're more likely to pass it um, because you're a veteran. But mm-hmm. if you don't, who doggy? You're going to get punished <laughs> for it. Um, yeah. No special recce for you, boys and girls. You got to stay there and then get hit and go down and take a pin, all of which is brutal um, if you are running mm-hmm. a highly mobile force. Um, Jason, I know you have some opinions about this particular uh, special rule. What do you think? Um, I think it's it's fantastic for the army. It, it harks back to the, the days of version one where you were basically able to recce wherever you pleased, whenever you pleased, and it made the force almost impossible to pin down which i think caused 
a little bit of salt from people you would play against. Yes. So it's nice that this has been put back in, but probably in a more balanced way. So there is that built-in risk there of it could all go very wrong and you could lose your truck. So I like that it's in there. It means that the army will be a bit easier to play than it currently is under the second edition rules. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's great. I, I really there's some already some really interesting sort of things I've got in my mind about how to use the trucks now. It's um, yeah. I mean it it yeah. is really really good, right? Yeah. But, yeah. But there's but. there's but <laughs> if you mess up your rolls, and for those of you mm-hmm. who know uh, bolt action enough, man, bolt mm-hmm. action happens. You're going to fail that role when it matters most. And it's like, it's, it's, but it, um, my wife likes to refer to it. My wife's very Scottish and uses a lot of Scottish idioms. And one of them is she talks about, um, people or dogs in particular, when we're talking about walking our dogs and my dog, like sees something, he tries to, you know, pretend like he doesn't see it and then get close to it and then run up and try and get a little bite of it. Um, you know, a little street pizza, so to speak, uh, cause we live in the city. Um, she calls him a chancer and, I read yeah. this and all that goes through my mind is like, if you're playing the LRDG, you're a chancer and there's like, it's going to probably work out for you, but man, if it doesn't, you're going to get <laughs> smashed. Um, and the other thing is oftentimes when I play lists like this, um, you rely on units being able to maneuver around each other. Um, and if you happen yeah. to get one of these that you fail that roll and your opponent can move your truck, in the way of the other ones, then that is a real problem. Um, yeah. I mean, it isn't that you just go down and take a pin, although that's one of the options. Your opponent can screw you up big time. Yeah. Um, so again, great rule, but man, that mm. negative will get you if you overuse it. Mm-hmm. Seamus, what do you think? I'm really curious to see how it all plays out, honestly. Uh, you know, like, Jason was saying earlier, um, going from first edition to second, you lost kind of that aggressive recce that we used to have, but you gained um, soft skins being a little more resilient. So now you're kind of getting a little bit of that recce power back. And like you said, there's kind of a risk. So um, I, I think it gives a slight edge back to the LRDG that they lost. But I, I think it was done in a fashion that's not going to be overpowering. I don't think, I don't think it's going to make people cry. Uh, I'm really looking forward to my buddy getting this book in his hands too and uh, seeing how it plays out. Yeah, man, absolutely. Now we we talked off air about something that um, that. Uh, so we talked about that. There's a rule listed on a lot of these vehicles that says recon vehicle. Um, instead of recce. And I think that that means that you get recce and this rule that interact. So you do, you can burn your recce roll, um, is from what I understand, um, and still get these. Um, but you would need to pick which one you're going to take. Do you take the safe option and go with recce and lose your dice? Or do you take this other role? Um, is that how you guys read it as well? Uh, who dares uh, wins? I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, That's my tactical advice. I'm done. Okay. Okay. Um, Jason, is that is how you read it, right? Or am I making that up? 
Um, uh, the unit entry, the, the vehicles actually have the hit and run rule listed separately. Yeah. So, so it's one so or the other. I, I, I honestly don't know. Okay. Well, it's one of <laughs> it's those tough. things to think about. Um, now that, yeah. The, yeah. Have to. I think it's one of those things that kind of we kind of talked about it earlier. That uh, that that's one of the downsides to reviewing this in the fashion that we are is yeah. not having all of the information. So True. I'm kind of hoping there's something in the book that makes it a little more clear, um, or, or you know, Roger may answer it somewhere in a public forum or something like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now um, there is another national rule. And this is one of my favorites and goes back to why I was telling one of those stories a minute ago. Deflate those tires. Um, Techniques mastered by the LRDG allowed experienced drivers to negotiate extremely difficult terrain in their hardy wheeled vehicles. All the vehicles in this army may advance through rough ground designated as sandy or rocky at six inches with a single 90 degree turn. So it means that you're not going to get you know, stuck um, if you are playing on themed desert boards, um, which is amazing. Um, and I think you really need to be clear about what counts as what when you're talking with your opponents before the the game. But, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Jason, what do you think about this one? Yeah, I it's, it's circumstantial, but I think it's going to be really helpful for those scenarios we talked about previously where you have big patches of rough ground that would normally be completely you know, out of bounds for you and you're very restricted in how you can move. This just gives you a little bit of an option there to sort of inch your way through and, and maybe find a different way to your objective rather than just being funneled down particular channels. Um, but again, it has to be sort of prearranged with your opponent what's considered what, but it, it's just, it's a nice little extra yeah. that uh, will work sometimes. It's good. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, we also get two additional rules that are listed. Um, scouts, which is the units may use the forward deployment where the mission permits, and timely withdrawal. Instead of reacting with a fire order against uh, enemy assaults, this unit can react with an advance order. Firing is allowed as part of this. Um, Now, those special rules, and it even says this specifically, for clarity, all of the special rules that are listed uh, match the appropriate units. So the units all have their own entries that list the special (laughs) special rules, which means that some of the vehicles, um, (laughs) you know, like the the Chevy, for example, or the Ford, have something like eight special rules. Um, But it basically says that they get to use those national rules. Um, so, uh, Seamus, did I ask you to deflate those tires? I'm sorry. Um, what do you think of these national rules? Yeah. Just, just kind of like you guys were saying that it, it gives you new tactical advantages. Um, you know, as an opponent, I'm going to look at those pieces of terrain and think, ha ha, you know, I've got that little section of the table controlled. Um, but when you pair that with, uh, especially the ability to outflank and it's just another way that the LRDG is going to be able to uh, put their opponent kind of on their back heels and, and really make them react more than, than they might be able to in the, in the current setting. Totally, man. Um, Mm. Well, let's, let's look at this uh, selector because it really does sort of bring it all together. And then maybe we can talk about what we think about the rules as a whole. 
Um, mm. So this lecture is called a, uh, Perhaps a Bit of Piracy, which is remarkably British. Um, and it's Western <laughs> Desert, September 1940 to October 41. Um, now, you get a pilot car, um, which is a special uh, LRDG truck. Um, you get two gun trucks from the early... Um, it's gun truck, early in parentheses, um, plus four additional gun trucks, up to four, I should say, a support truck, uh, which is a Bofors truck, um, and up to three transport trucks. Now, you can take up to four LRDG foot patrols um, and up to one light mortar team. Now, all the forces must have sufficient transport capacity to carry all of the infantry models. Now, the LRDG foot patrols are very small squads that ride around in trucks. It is an NCO and two guys, um, and that's it. Um, so you are talking about a force that has a maximum of 12 infantry model and a light mortar team, and everything else is trucks. I'm talking myself into this army really fast because I love painting <laughs> vehicles. Um, Jason, I can't imagine I, I can't imagine that your force um, that you exist that exists that you have right now um, mm. will necessarily match this selector um, and these special rules. However, um, damn, uh, they're cool. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a real reduction in, in the early war one, particularly, which we're currently talking about, there's a real yeah. reduction in that infantry component. Mm -hmm. um, I noticed that in the list overall, they have removed the option for the anti-tank rifle mm -hmm. um, and the sniper team, which were in the, the uh, armies of the Commonwealth iteration of the selector. Um, so the infantry component of this is considerably smaller, but then you've got the option there of how many trucks seven trucks yeah seven trucks and a pilot car and then three transports on top of that so you're looking at you know potentially 11 soft skin vehicles um, almost as many soft skin vehicles as you have infantry models yeah so that is an interesting force straight off the bat um i <laughs> it's it's much it's much like playing them as an armored platoon um of course, they're going to have a lot of firepower and there's going to be a lot of zipping around the board. Uh, you, you will lose out a little bit on the objective game, but uh, it'll be interesting to play. Yeah, it's, it's an exciting selector. Yeah, it is. Um, and what's interesting, what I also find interesting is, um, unlike the other LRDG trucks, um, the uh, gun trucks in particular... Um, there, oh no, you can take light AT guns, can you? So, but, um, you, you're limited on what, so you can take, uh, up to four of the gun trucks per patrol can, um, add a forward or side mounted, uh, pintle mounted anti-tank rifle. Oh no, it's not, a, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. there's no auto cannons. There's no, no light AT guns. Sorry. That's what I thought I, I misread and then read again. You are talking about um, nothing but machine guns and ATRs on these trucks. Um, yeah. And that, don't Except get me wrong. The, there's a lot of them. But, yeah. Ouch. 
Yeah. Well, there's the one support truck in the platoon, so that's that's your that's your light anti-tank gun. But there's only one per patrol, which historically is is pretty accurate to what they used to do. So um, it makes sense to have that restriction in there. Previously, you were able to basically upgrade any truck to be um, a heavy truck carrying mm-hmm. one of those rear mounted guns um whereas now it's just a bit more formalized so you have that structure of the one heavy per patrol yeah so what do you think about all of this put together do you what do you think this does to the army list especially if you're running the early war one the one we're talking about right now sure um it's it's got the same sort of firepower well in fact the firepower due to the weapon options on the trucks has gone up considerably from the commonwealth book version um a lot of your pintle machine guns can now be upgraded to twin vickers k's <laughs> which <laughs> which bumps your firepower from five shots to ten um the trucks can have two of these so mm. you could potentially be throwing out 20 dice of machine gun power um which is a lot. I think the only other thing that can do that is probably the the Gaz AAA in the mm-hmm. Soviet list. It is. Um, yeah. So you throw enough dice and eventually you'll get the numbers you need. It's generally the philosophy with this list in general, but it's going to be even more true with this new selector and these new units. Um so hold so, on, you can take one MMG, which is ten, five shots, and then you can upgrade, replace one of them with the Vickers K, which is 10. So I think it's 15 shots, and we're talking uh, ballpark 80 points for that. Yeah, so um, where's the early truck? Yeah, so that's the Ford, that's the gun truck, yeah. The, oh, sorry, I'm mixing that up with the later war version. Yeah, yeah so the early say, war yeah. version, you can only upgrade one. Right, so... 15 shots then. Oh, so, yeah, you're right. The other one is two, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Spoilers. All right. Yeah. Um, well, it sounds like the later war one might be the one that matches your army anyway. So maybe we should slide mm. it on mm. down to sowing mayhem. Um, sure. Now, there is a later war. Um, so your command vehicle is now a, called a Jeep. And it's a Jeep, not a truck. Um, yep. And it, again, has all the fun special rules, and it is a Jeep with a pencil-mounted MMG that you can replace with the Vickers K, um, and you can add another machine gun on the side or rear as well. Um, um, now, you can replace one of the MMG, not both of them. Um, now, you also get the option for two gun trucks, and as you say, um, those gun trucks can rock all of the Vickers Ks, there yeah. is the um, there's a, a something called a bantam um, and a gun truck and a support truck and transport trucks and Bedford three ton uh, trucks as well, but only if you take SAS trucks. So the number of gun trucks and I know it sounds like I just listed a lot, but instead of having all of those trucks like we did last time, what did we say? You could have seven trucks and the pilot car, yeah. which is essentially yeah. a truck. With this list, you're talking your Jeep as a command, two gun trucks, mm-hmm. this Bantam truck, which I believe the is the Jeep. So you get the yeah. option of two Jeeps, two trucks, or possibly a third truck, a support truck, um, and then transports. So mm-hmm. um, you're Can, really... Uh, 
you're really cutting down the number of gun or trucks, but you're upgunning them, if that makes sense. Seamus, go ahead. Can your transports upgrade to have uh, pencil machine guns as well? Uh, yes. yes, they are the standard trucks okay. in the book, um, but they're, it's one pencil MMG. Um, now, you have the option to take up to three regular transport trucks and up to three Bedford three-ton trucks, which are the big, expensive, quote-unquote, trucks um, that hold a lot of guys. Um, now, you can take the one three-man LRDG foot patrol squad and up to one LRDG light mortar team, but you can take up to four SAS teams. Um, now, those are four-men teams but you can also add up to four additional guys to them. Now, they're not, they are veteran, but they're 19 points each. Um, and they have a bunch of different weapon options, including you can take a designated team medic. Um, so a medic that works only on that team for five points, like the, um, the Finnish Carpaccio. Carpaccio. Yeah, those guys. Um, and there's all sorts of special rules that are added for the SAS. So you can take up to eight of those, but man, they add up in price. Um, mm. What are you guys thinking about this list? I think this is this list looks awesome. Um, I like how they limit your gun truck options um, because they mm. can. Some of those gun trucks can be gross um, with the amount of firepower coming <laughs> out of them, but man, they're expensive. Um, and the yep. other things you have to take with that list, the SAS squads, if you want to grab uh, objectives, for example, they're also expensive. So it, you're sure. really narrowing down your army, but wow, can that thing dish it out. What's the old expression? Never, uh, always outnumbered, never outgunned. Well, that's these guys. <laughs> um, yep. Seamus, what do you think? Let's start with you and Jason, collect your thoughts. So, uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, there's a... Um... That's a large amount of firepower going out, but um, it seems like um, not 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 looking at it um, as a whole list. But are you're really lacking an anti tank, right? Yeah, you can do some of the uh, pintle ATRs, and then you get the one heavier support truck, right? Do you get like anti tank grenades on the infantry, the SAS, SAS squads, or anything? I believe so. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, they do. Say, uh, they come okay. with anti-tank so that, grenades built in, but um, oh, yeah, okay. that's part of the nineteen points. Um, and gotcha. the yeah. gun trucks, the um, there is no Bofors truck. The gun, like the support truck, has been replaced with a Breda, so it is uh, a light auto cannon. So there's this this list has no AT gun. Full stop. Um, it's got gotcha. one truck that can take one light autocannon, and everything else is a whole lot of machine guns. Um, yeah. And as Jason was saying, the gun trucks can take two machine guns that can be upgunned to the Vickers Ks. So, yeah, they kick out 20 shots, but, oh. yeah, they're, um, so yeah. I think it, it it gives you the really interesting tactic where you've got so many trucks and then there's so many small squads. Uh, you're you're essentially <laughs> your your opponent is is just going to be beside themselves trying to choose which of those targets to shoot at. Yeah. Uh, you know the the trucks are going to be able to zip around and dump out an insane amount of firepower, but then you also have these small, harder to hit, easier to hide infantry squads that are going to be capturing objectives. So, 
Um, that's going to be really tricky to play against. Yeah. And those SAS squads are tough as nails. They have tough fighters, stubborn, behind enemy lines, which we talked about before, um, tank hunters, and they have the team medic if you take the five-point addition, which um, basically means your squad has a medic that can work on themselves, on the squad itself. Um, oh, but they are not awesome. subject to the Geneva Convention rules that are mentioned in the main bolt actions rules. So, Jason, <clears throat> this is yes. yet a, another army that changes your army and is different from what your army currently mm. is. What do you mm. think about this army? Uh, so I think c- comparing this to, for example, the list that I took to WinterCon in July, um, that army was four gun trucks, two of the support version with the breader on it, mm-hmm. uh, four squads of four SAS with three SMGs each, a couple of lieutenants, uh, and a couple of transports. So it was just a carbon copy two platoon list that gave me the six gun trucks, the four mm. infantry units, the two officers. This is going to cut that down a bit. As we've discussed, the kind of the number of gun trucks allowed is a little bit pared back, um, mm. but it forces you into taking the Jeeps. I feel like the level of firepower is going to be pretty similar, but you're going to end up with less order dice. Um, everything in the list has kind of bumped up a few points. That's mostly down to the, the addition of the national rules. So the, the hit and run rule, the sort of, uh, version one recce light kind of rule, I think is a big contributor to the increase in points. And I think it could be argued that it's also overdue for vehicles with this many machine guns. Um, Bolt Action has a bit of an issue with the way that the vehicles are costed, that machine guns are generally costed at about half what they should be, which is why a lot of the Italian tanks are very good, a lot of the early war tanks are very good, because a machine gun is only going to bump your cost by five points. But once you start adding three or four, they get deadly quickly. So. Yeah, in the in the Commonwealth book, the LRDG trucks, the airborne jeeps, and the SAS jeeps were all probably undercosted by a good 10, 20 points for what they brought to the table. And this just kind of rebalances that a bit. It brings the points level back to the power level. Um, and I think the army's still going to play well. I think it's still going to play in a very similar fashion to how it does. Um, but you're just going to have a few less units on the table. Um, yeah, it's, I, I like it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just really excited to get it on the table now. That's the main thing. I just want to, uh, yeah. Amen to that. Dice. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I, I want to see an unlikely matchup between this force and that, uh, that hypothetical all M1441 Italian force. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's got big guns or anything, just machine yeah. guns everywhere. All day long. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ironically, Ironically, that is the kind of kryptonite to this list. The the soft skins, mm-hmm. they don't play well with machine guns or auto cannons or any of those sorts of things. I honestly I don't mind facing a late war German list with an LRDG list. I, I could eat those guys every day because they tend to just have the one tank. They'll have one or two AT assets. And you have the advantage of being able to dance around them. The mobility of the LRDG is really their biggest asset in those matchups. But when you face something like an Italian list that's got lots of machine guns and auto cannons and 
that's when things get dicey because there's nowhere safe to go. You can't sit out of line of sight of that one tank. You've got to avoid four units that could easily put your truck down. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's a soft list, and but it hits real hard. Yeah, it does. Like a brick. But it's a blast to play. Yeah. Well, um, so this book also includes rules for the SAS. Um, now, we're not going to get into that today because that will take forever. Um, also, there is a German Special Forces uh, selector and special rules for Kampgruf Hecker, um, which is also very cool. Um, again, just don't have time to go through it all. Um, and there are two auto Sahariana selectors. Um, and as much as I'd love <laughs> to go through both of them, I think um, we kind of got to pick our battles. So I'm going to go with, um, why don't we talk about the Kemi, hmm, Kemion STST? Help? Anyone? Or DTX? Uh, someone want to help me with this one? Uh, I don't have it in front of me. Okay. Uh, so the army special rules for this is sort of so the the early Sahariana list. There's two Sahariana lists like the LRDG. One of them is based solely around the AS 37s, um, which were the early um, giant tired trucks that um, were driven around by Auto Sahariana type forces. Um, the second one is the more specialized, um, more. Um, alike to the A, um, so LRDG, and it was based on the AS. They drove around in the AS 42s, um, the vehicles that I was talking about before that look like moon buggies. Um, so I'm going to sort of focus on that. Now, this is a little bit of a what if um, army because um, these guys did not actually get a ton of the AS 42s. Um, before the North African campaign ended in 1942. In fact, a ton of them were used by German forces in Italy. And weirdly, there's pictures of them driving around with Fallschirmjäger on them in the snow, if you um, Google search the vehicle enough. Um, but here is the army list that I believe is the direct analog to the LRDG and best matches my force. So, Army Special Rules. Um, behind enemy lines. So, just like the LRDG, all units in this army ignore the minus one modifier to order tests when outflanking. Um, out of the blue. Um, likewise, they get to come on one turn earlier than normal when outflanking. Um, so, as we talked about before, that's huge for an army like this. And I think that... Um, that's very cool that both the LRDG and their Italian counterparts get sort of matching rules as far as that goes. Um, now, things get a little different from there. The Sahariana um, had a different rule. Um, they don't get the weird recce almost rule. Um, instead, techniques mastered by the Sahariana allowed their experienced drivers to neg uh, negotiate extremely difficult terrain in their hardy wheeled vehicles. All vehicles in this army may advance through rough grounds designated as sandy or rocky at the rate of six inches and can make a 90-degree turn. So they get almost the first part of that rule and not the second. Um, oh, like of the course. the deflated tires, right? Yeah, sorry. I actually just forget I said that. Um, it is, I'm lining the, the rules up wrong. You are right, Seamus. It is the, flattened t or the deflated tires. They get that, but it's got a different name. S G O N F I A 
R E and then more. I'm not pronouncing that. Um, <laughs> so they essentially get deflated tires. I'm sorry. And they get hit and run. Um, they get that rule as well. Um, and they get the must be mobile. Everything in this army list has to be in a transport. Um, because unlike the British version, this one has um, more infantry. Mm. So yeah. you have a lieutenant um, and you have two gun trucks. Now, these can be taken from the AS-42 um, or the AS-37 gun trucks. Um, now, the AS-37 gun truck uh, is listed in the list above, and it is um, it comes with a pintle-mounted LMG, and it's just a regular truck. But you can upgrade the machine gun to an HMG, um, you can add an ATR um, on a pintle mount. Sorry, on a uh, 360 pintle mount. Um, though th- it doesn't say it, the LMG that's typically on this thing is on the front. So I believe the original pintle mount is on is front facing, whereas the ATR can have a 360 degree arc. Um, that's how it's modeled anyway. Um, but you can add a light auto cannon. Um, in the 360 degree part for 30 points, um, or you can make it a uh, light eight, uh, anti-tank gun for 50 points, um, or you can add additional armor for 35 points, um, which um, makes it a 7-up armored car, but it, um, but it has the open-topped rule and loses the... And it calls it deflate those tires. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think that is a slight cut and paste because that rule is different. Um, it's, it's the same rule. It's just under a different name. Um, so you, you have a lot more options with the Auto Sahariana trucks if you take that particular truck. Um, the, the AS-40, so that's the AS-37. The AS-42 um, is a different animal it has dual machine guns, two pintle-mounted MMGs, um, and you can add a heavy machine gun on the 360 mount. Um, I believe one of those pintles, if it's going off the model, is painting is pointed forward. The other one's pointed backward. And then there's the 360 mount um, that I talked about that the Company B model had that is in the middle. Um, you can put a heavy machine gun on that on the open platform. Um, you can upgrade one of the pintle-mounted machine guns to be a twin MMG, um, but that actually doesn't have a point upgrade attached to it. I'm hoping that that is a typo in my particular copy. Um, You can add a light, uh, sorry, an anti-tank rifle on the 360 for 20 points instead of the machine gun. You can add the light autocannon instead of that for 30 points or the light AT gun for 50 points. So the difference between the 37 and the 42 is you get one more pintle-mounted truck. Um, Now, the AS-42 gets a rule called off-road specialists. Um, The AS-42 was an exceptional all-terrain vehicle that allowed its drivers to negotiate extremely difficult terrain. An AS-42 may advance through rough ground designated as Sandy Iraqi at nine inches, uh, not six inches, for with a single 90-degree turn. So um, I love that because, as I said, they look like moon buggies. 
So you can take, um, for this army list, for this selector, I should say, you can take an officer um, and two gun trucks. And it's either the 37s or the 42s, plus four more gun trucks. Um, So again, the 37s or the 42s. Um, Now you can take up to four infantry squads, a demolition team, a sniper team, a flamethrower team, or a light mortar. Now, um, the officer is a pretty standard officer, although it comes with anti-tank grenades um, and tough fighter and stubborn. Um, And um, you can take the uh, team medic, the individual medic on your officer. Um, And the officer is an officer and up to three further men. Um, And the men are 19 points each. So, um, and the officers are more expensive than they'd normally be. Uh, the second lieutenant's 70 points. The first lieutenant is 95. So clearly these are like a a little mini special forces unit. Um, the infantry squad that is associated with this list is much like the, um, LRDG one. It's an NCO and three guys. You can take up to four additional guys. I'm sorry. This, this is more like the SAS squad. So you can take up to eight guys. Um, they're 19 points each. Um, any man can replace his rifle with an SMG. Up to two guys can have light MMGs. And you can have a team medic, just like the SAS. Um, the demolition team uh, is three guys, which you can take up to two more guys for 19 points each. Any guy can have an SMG. Um, just like we talked about before, all of these squads have tough fighter and stubborn. Um, these guys have tank hunters built in. You can, again, give them the optional medic, um, although that option seems to be missing from the point. It's got the special rule down below, but doesn't have the points up above, if that makes sense. Um, and it says, if options taken. It has a weird special rule. Not weird. It has its own special rule called demolition charges. If the forward deployment is allowed, um, the Italian player may do do so with any... Okay, so these guys can forward deploy. These men have planted their charges just prior to the beginning of the battle. Although the bombs are not used to target enemy units directly, erupting columns of flame may cause panic and confusion to spread. When one of these units is deployed, um, a round 25-millimeter marker is also placed within six inches of the unit. At the uh, the start of turn two, and each turn thereafter, roll an individual dice for each charge on the table— on a one, it fails to detonate and is removed. On a two, uh, two or a three, the timer is delayed and nothing happens. On a four to five, uh, sorry, a four through six, the charge detonates. Um, and, the, and, and any enemy unit within a certain distance takes D3 pins. Um, note, if the mission forbids forward deployment, this rule cannot be used. Um, there's a flamethrower team, which is interesting. It's a 58-point flamethrower team that is veteran and has tough fighter and stubborn. Um, uh, yeah, right? Wow. Um, but, yeah, stubborn. So stubborn does work if you're down to one guy. So I guess that does matter. I'm thinking of fanatics. And the sniper team, likewise, tough fighter and stubborn. Um, uh, although the spotter only has a pistol. Uh and as far as transports goes, they can take um, AS-37 transports or captured Commonwealth vehicles. Um, 
which I believe are just regular trucks. Um, oh, no, it's an entry. So it's 78 points. Um, it's a soft skin. It can carry up to eight guys and can have a forward-mounted MMG. Um, and you can upgrade them for 30, uh, 35 points, um, and they can be armored. So, um, yeah. Very interesting army list. It is very different from the one I played, uh, although I'm very interested to try it. Um, it is too different, I think, from the way that I played it to really have an idea. Um, the army list that I'm looking at, if you look, and I know it's in the final book um, because I asked the author, um, it's missing the transport option, even though it has the rule that everything must be transported. But if you go to the end of that selection, it says transports, and then it lists that one option. Um, he said that is that counts as its transport, and um, it was just a cut-and-paste error from the... Um, it basically should match the one from the selector before it, which lists the... Um, the AS-37 transport, the Fiat um, field car, and a regular truck. So, gentlemen, I have thrown a lot of information at you on that one. Um, Jason, uh, why don't we start with you? What do you think of these Auto-Sahariana rules compared to um, what we've seen with the British? Um, I think that they, they're they pretty good match they're sort of a hybrid of the early and the late mm. war um, LRDG list. So they have the the high number of gun trucks that the um, early war list has, but then they also have the option of quite a reasonable amount of infantry um, that you can get in the later war list. Yeah. So I feel like perhaps the Italians here have, have probably they've got a bit more flexibility to them and there's um, a few more options that you're not getting as the LRDG. Um Everybody being stubborn and tough fighters is is pretty good, although they're only small teams, so yeah. that's probably not super powerful. But it's an interesting bit of flavor in there. Um, the officer team looks pretty cool. The yeah. up to four men, team medic, um, tough fighters, stubborn. That could be a, a nice little unit, not to use in a sort of conventional sense for an officer, but actually quite sort of offensively um, along with your infantry units. Um, yeah, it's, I like it. There's some good stuff in here. I'm a little bit thrown by the flamethrower team. I wonder if that point cost is perhaps a typo. Um, because yeah. a veteran flamethrower is 65, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 And then you're rules. adding tough fighter and stubborn on it. Should probably be a little bit more than that, but in this particular army, um, and it is two I man. I just double checked it. Yep. It, it does seem yeah. low, right? I'm wondering if that is a typo that needs to be fixed. Uh, yeah, like maybe 68, 68, maybe. Yeah. 68. Yeah, 68, maybe. Yeah, 68 would be anyway. my guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, it looks good. It looks like the, the sort of the best bits of both of those, um, yeah. both of those previous selectors, really. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be, I'd love to see what you do with it, Brad. I think, um, you, as you say, you might need to sort of tweak what you have, but I'm sure you could get something pretty good out of it. Yeah, well, as before, the AS-37s and the AS-42s were the identical vehicle under the old Italian mm -hmm. rules. So now that they are very different, 
Um, mm. I mean, the options are slightly different for weapons, but the rules as far as what they do on the table are different now as well. One is better at ne negotiating terrain than the other one. Um, I'm... I, I really need to look, look at that um, and figure out what I have. Because a couple of my, um, my I, I wanted them to be slightly different in case I had to run them as a standard platoon, um, in which case I would have run my AS-37s as the AA trucks um, because they have the machine gun on the front and the autocannon on the rear, and I just would have lost recce on those vehicles. Um, mm. But, yeah, it's, it's very different. And so my list is completely different now. Um, mm. So, yeah, I really need to, yeah, figure, figure that out. Um, and what's interesting yeah. is the, the AS-42 doesn't appear to have hit and run um, as a special rule, which is weird because it's written into um, the national rules... And it doesn't actually appear to be on any of these squads now that I'm looking at it. So I'm wondering if that's a typo as well. Um, but yeah. Seamus, sorry I cut you off. Yeah, no, no worries. I was going to say, uh, Jason, do the LRDG trucks have as many options for heavy machine guns as the, no. it, the Sahariana did? Uh, I think they have a slightly reduced number of heavy machine guns. One thing that they really do lose out on compared to the Sahariana are the, the options for the light auto cannons and the light yeah. AT guns. Yeah. It looks like any of the trucks in this selector can take them, which if you start to stack up on those, they can, they'll have a lot of impact. The only thing right. I am noticing is the cost of those is 30 points for the auto cannon and 50 for the light anti-tank. Now, I know from the current LRDG truck that that was... 20 and 40 respectively for um the lrdg truck in the commonwealth book so those points have been bumped up a little bit by the looks of it those actually match the ones that were on the auto sahariana entry in the book oh. in uh in the italian book but the auto sahariana oh, okay. one was a the original one was a bare frame and had nothing added on to it. It didn't have the guns built in, which is the ones right. that the LRDG ones did. So it looks like they added the guns into the um, Auto Sahariana version, but kept the point values for the old, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, so you're mm. almost as though you're paying. But given those options, I don't mind. No, no, Absolutely. Um, yeah. I think perhaps there's a bit of a premium there for the fact that it's 360 degrees as well. Yeah, definitely. Because um, obviously the LRDG truck is fixed in that rear arc, which means you end up driving them in a pretty odd fashion in reverse all over the battlefield. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas these guys are going to be a bit more nimble, I guess, in where they can get to and still get a good shot. Yeah, I need some more machine guns because my AS-42s have their machine guns pointing forwards. Um, they had one yep. machine gun going forward with the 360 mount. I never had the rear firing machine gun on mine. Um, now sure. I'm going to have to add them because it's literally in the list. Um, it's, it's I'm, yeah. I'm going to take this opportunity to retract my uh, previous statement about the M1441 being a, a machine gun gunboat. Yeah, these are open top. The I'm not open top. These are uh, whatchamacallits, though. Um, soft scans. Soft scans. Yeah, yeah, true. 
And for those of you who are listening, thinking, oh, but I can make them the the seven plus armor open top vehicles and they lose that rule, but they still get all the guns. Uh, No, those uh, I know in the book it says you can do that. But if you actually see what the AS 37 up armored ones were, they're transports. They didn't have all the gun mounts on them. That just literally did not occur in real life, kids. So um, let me dissuade you on that one. Anyway, um, uh, guys, I I love the, um, but I do love, as much as my list is changing, let me just say that I love that the gun options remain the same. So um, I guess unlike you, Jason, who may have to take some guns off of some of your trucks um, or change the guns, mine don't. Um, Because I'm going to continue to use my light auto cannons, I think. I love them. So, um, yeah, that said, I don't have, I have an Elephantino, um, an ATR and a, um, I believe are a medium mortar built for that team or for that army. Um, none of which are now in that list. So I will save those for when I run my Italians as normal. Um, and I did just buy, um, an auto blind 41 and one of the warlord tanks. So, uh, I will be running nice. those. Um, and for those wondering, no, I didn't break my buy embargo. Um, I bought those a while ago. Um, I've just <laughs> pulled them out of a box and gone, woohoo, smog hordes provide. Um, so yeah, I have Italian tanks that I'm going to paint to run my Italian forces as regular as well. So yeah, I'm really excited that I have an actual list now that allows me to run this. And um, I just really want to put it on the table and see how it goes. Um, As they said in the rules for this section, these lists are different. They are not like standard army lists. They don't play like normal army lists. They don't play like what we're used to. Um, And I like that they're there. It gives us another opportunity to play, especially if you want to play some narrative-themed games. Um, But I don't... I mean, sure, you can run them in an event, um, and I love that the rules are written so you can play them in open play. Um, Sure, they're tough as nails, but as the author said in the interview, um, you're going to hit hard, but if they they can get you back, you're done. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think more than ever... um, now that these rules exist, that is especially true. A couple good hits, and these armies are going to be crippled. Um, they're the epitome of, you know, sting like a bee, but um, glass jawed, so to speak, um, to mix my boxing metaphors. Um, would you Would you guys agree, Seamus? What do you think? Yeah, uh, both of them certainly have that sort of uh, glass cannon kind of thing. Um, I, I think I'd almost give a slight edge to the Italians. It sounds like they can carry a little more firepower than the LRDG, but uh, uh, man, I I gotta say, I would love to see these two forces yes. face each other um, mm. from the sidelines. I'd like to add that. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's 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 a lot of tactical complexity that you're gonna have to keep in mind as a player for both of these forces. It's I, it's amazing. I think it'd be real cool to watch. Yeah, I would love to say that yeah. Jason, let's set this up on the table and let's do this. But um, you're you're a better player than I am, <laughs> so you're gonna take me off, take my toys off. Um, Jason, what do you think, man? Um, yeah, it's it's a great selector again. Like um, both sides have, have got some really good stuff out of this, and uh, yeah, I'd like to see it on the table. I am in Melbourne in uh, October, though, Brad. So bring it. Um, if you want to throw Make down, we can throw down. 
Hey, <laughs> just bring it. Uh, I got if if you're traveling with armies, I hope you can bring the LRDG town. If you can't, that's cool. I've got desert armies, uh, and I know we can play this out. It is on. I've got the desert terrain, and I've got the armies. Let's do this, man. Awesome. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. All right. Um, guys, I hate to say this. I think our time may be up. Um, I know we mentioned that there is a Raider mission in the book. Um, please look it up. It's mission 18 when you get your grubby paws on it, boys and girls. Um, again, there is so much content. And what? This is the third episode of Cast Dice where we've talked about desert, the, uh, you know, the desert book's contents. Um it just keeps going. We could talk about it for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and not get through it all. I don't think I've ever seen a bolt action book with so much content. Um, so really, if you are at all interested in the desert war or bolt action in general, um, just as a general rule or um, review, again, I haven't held the book in my hands. I haven't seen it all. But Jesus, what I've seen is it's it's action-packed there is just so much with it and to do with so many aspects of the game that um i'm just blown away this is a really exciting book um for bolt action and i'm hoping we see more like it in the future um i think roger's done a wonderful job um and i i'm a massive fan so yeah yeah check pick it up kids it uh should be hitting the shelves about the same time this episode hits if you're in the uk you probably already have the book too uh but um, as Warlord just announced, it's starting to ship. But if you are like the rest of us in Australia or the rest of the world, you may have to wait a couple days yet. Uh, if you haven't gotten a copy, guys, get out there. Get it. You're going to love it. It's good stuff. Uh, and without further ado, gentlemen, any parting comments? Um, are you good? Seamus? I, I'm, I'm, it's really cool to see two forces that... Uh, have changed so much between first and second edition and now within second edition, these new rules. Uh, it, I think it's, uh, it's really good injecting sort of new, new life into some, some older forces. I'm really excited to see what happens with this book. Ditto. Jason, you? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think, I think with uh, Warlord talking about bringing out the, more of the Italian trucks um, to fill out the options in this list, and with um, oh, Rubicon yeah. models bringing yeah, and Rubicon bringing out their LRDG trucks because um, everybody loves Rubicon, um, and Warlord's plastic infantry, of course. Like it's going to be easier than ever to put these armies together, and having these great rules in the background is just going to make it um, so much more likely you'll see them on the table, which will be great. Yeah, man. yeah, hundred percent. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. Uh, as always, we have to thank you for, um, I know podcasts don't cost anything, but uh, time is precious these days, uh, and we appreciate you listening to us this fine evening. Um, I guess I just would like to say an honest, heartfelt thank you to uh, Jason and Seamus for sticking around for two episodes in a row um, and talking through so much content. Um, I know that digging through rules takes a lot of um, time and thought in advance and then uh, being able to discuss it <laughs> you know, intelligently on a podcast <clears throat> is not my strong point some days. Um, and I just want to thank them for um, all of the time and effort they put in to prepare for this. So gentlemen, thank you very, very much. Um, thank you. Yeah. Pleasure. Uh, as always, the desk is open. If either one of you will ever want to come back, um, 
please grab a mic and uh, pull up a pew and let's do this again. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, I guess that leaves us with this. Um, while you're playing the games that we know and love, uh, as you're going, may your dice roll hot, may your beverages be cold. But more than anything else, I hope you have fun. Seamus, are you going to take us out? Avanti. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's all I got. That's perfect. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, hey. good night. Oops, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say it's late and I've had a six-pack of Peroni, so Avanti is all I've got left. <laughs> and that's a good way to end. Yep. Good night. And the